Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On this edition of the podcast, we count the ways that we love Bobby Petrino, hail the Ohio State punter, and discuss Tom Herman's bartending skills. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. I am Dan Wetzel, joined by Pat Forty, Pete Thamel. This is the Overreaction Monday edition of the pod. And guys, you know when ESPN tries to hype up a week of football, like Shake Up Saturday or Statement Saturday, you know, something like that. Please watch anyway Saturday. Please watch, yeah. (laughs) Well, this was nothing freaking happened Saturday. I mean, I love college football, but this was a damn boring week of college football. Bedlam was fun. Texas Tech, Texas, Texas Tech was kind of a great ending. There's occasional moments. Like every Saturday is sacred, but like that was it. Everybody won. The only change in the top 11, and I mean, this is drum roll, please. Washington State moved from 10 to 8. <laughs> Yep, leaping Ohio State and LSU. I mean, feel the excitement. Now, if I am the if I am on that playoff committee, I'm like, yeah, I ain't seeing me in Dallas this week. Just take yeah. my vote for <laughs> last week. I'm not coming. Yeah. I can get some text mechs down the street. We're good. Yeah, I'm not doing imagine it. And you know they'll make them do the whole thing again. You know, Bill Hancock's in there going, Well, we gotta follow the procedure, you know, we gotta gotta do it. Oh, please, no. Nothing happened. I would email in and say, uh, drop Kentucky. I'll see you the week after. See you later. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, that's it. I mean, the most valuable player of the Ohio State, Michigan State, ostensibly two top 20 teams, was the punter, the Buckeye punter. So He was great. He was great. And we'll get to him. This is how little happened. I felt so sorry for myself because I had to write the 10 takeaway column, which means, you know, I was in charge of summing up the day, and there was nothing to sum up other than, yeah, the teams that were supposed to win won. Thank you very much for reading. So, and I could tell you uh, that this is a terrible way to start a podcast. You probably should just go listen to something better. But no. (laughs) On Sunday, our old buddy Bobby Petrino bailed us out again. Uh, He's always there for us. (laughs) (laughs) If we had all worn matching neck braces for the podcast, that really would have crushed on social. Bobby Petrino, uh, you know... I, he just he just delivered so many nights, so many easy columns. He has. 
he's uh, does not like the media. I can't imagine why. Um, <laughs> but I love him. So <laughs> uh, he was fired. Louisville did broom him on, and his entire family on Sunday. Uh, the whole family got fired. Uh, a brief review of the Bobby Petrino coaching era. I assume it's over, but he probably isn't. Someone's going to hire him. Drum roll. Western Kentucky. Yeah, hired by Louisville back in the day. First job. Uh, he then had a secret interview with Auburn. Remember that? I broke that story. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> uh, he goes four years, 41 and I. This guy looks great. Leaves for the Falcons. He sucks with the Falcons. <laughs> uh, goes three and ten. Secretly interviews with Arkansas. <laughs> Then decides to resign in the middle of the season so we can get recruiting by writing out a brief statement that he hangs on the players' lockers, but he takes the paper and it's laminated. I always thought that was a, a really nice touch. You might want to keep this for history's sake, so I'm going to laminate it because me resigning and quitting is so memorable. Gets to Arkansas, and this is like match made in heaven. Match made in the Ozarks. Wins big, 10-3, and 11-2. Things are going big. Like, people are talking national title for Arkansas. And then he wrecks his Harley one day. Turns out there's a former volleyball player on the back. Holds an epic press conference in a halo brace. <laughs> busted up like... You felt for the guy. Scandal erupts because the volleyball player details come out. Funny how they didn't think that might be in a police report or something. Uh, Arkansas does not want to fire him, but he ha they really have to because he hired the girl. He wasn't just he wasn't just driving around on his bike. He hired her, and that violates all sorts of state laws, even in Arkansas. <laughs> Takes a year there off. Justice down there too. Come on. Comes a good church man. Heads to Western Kentucky, goes eight and four again. I mean, the guy can coach. Uh, he pays back. They're 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 taking a risk on him by immediately bailing. Goes back to Louisville. Uh, these, the boomerang thing normally never works. It did this time. Recruits Lamar Jackson, four winning seasons, and then this disaster: two and eight, total humiliation. And once he didn't have the victories on his sign, he was finally seen as too loathsome to tolerate. Even at U of L. <laughs> and then okay. during the broadcast of his pre-taped coaches show, which of course <laughs> is now airing after he's been fired, the station on the ticker below runs that Bobby Petrino <laughs> has been fired. <laughs> the station did credit Yahoo Sports on the ticker, though. Right. That's the important part, okay? So Coach That's Petrino... I raise a glass to you <laughs> on behalf of all of us hack internet columnists that needed easy punchline. <laughs> you were there for us. Godspeed, my friend. Godspeed. <laughs> Pat, what's yeah. going on in Louisville? Well, let, let me just let me let me fill in a couple of resume blanks there that got left out. He also secretly interviewed at LSU five days after agreeing to a contract extension and saying Louisville was where he wanted to be for the rest of his career. Um, that was the year after the Auburn thing. He secretly interviewed with Notre Dame once, too, and they came away like, ooh, we don't like this dude. Uh, interviewed with Florida. 
came away with uh, similar feelings there, and they hired a guy named Urban Meyer instead. Uh, so there was all that, and then yes, uh, I think you I think you covered it pretty darn well from uh, from that point forward. Uh, I will say that uh, uh, the 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 phenomenal. Michael Corleone, I will settle all family business move today by uh, Vince Tyree, the athletic director, <laughs> by whacking the entire family was an incredible power move by an athletic director, I thought. How many assistants were related to him? Three. three. Uh, his son and two son-in-laws. And best of all, they also got rid of his house stooge, uh, Andy Wagner, who was a guy that nobody liked, who basically his job was to interfere with the media, to sit in on interviews, to be a general pain in the ass to everyone who tried to cover the team. <laughs> so there was a lot of tears shed over at UofL today when uh, when he departed. But I went to Vince Tyree's press conference today, and it was a, uh, a very impressive, very frank day where he said basically, you know, he said, if the culture equals effort, well, there's some screwy things have been going on because Louisville just quit this year, totally quit. And Petrino's, I mean, it's like Lamar Jackson left, Tom Jurich left, and Petrino just checked out. He absolutely was done in terms of uh, coaching, and this team just reflected it. Bad staff, some recruiting holes, no quarterback, no AD holding his hand, 2-8 and eight on their way to 2-10. and 10. Goodbye, Bobby. Well, if I'm going to pick it up there, I don't think, Dan, in your very thorough recap, you accurately summed up how bad he was hated during his very short stint in the NFL. I think that needs to be noted, that the players just despised him. Um, at some point, I was writing some sort of Bobby Petrino uh to Arkansas story. Or no, when Bobby Petrino's downfall at Arkansas, after he cheated on his wife, hired his mistress, and lied to his bosses about it. Um, <laughs> I, a trifecta. I a, Who I, among yes, us? Yes. Who among us? If, 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 any, if, any, <laughs> if any town can relate to a trifecta, it's Louisville. Um, <laughs> so I got a hold of Lawyer Malloy, the former Patriots defensive back who was on the Falcons at the time, and he had been retired. And I called them and told them uh, that he was on administrative leave after all the stuff at Arkansas. And I remember a distinct pause and then a cackle of laughter. And lawyer Malloy told me this is back in the New York Times in uh, what it has to be, what, 2012. Yep. Uh, that's karma. Just because he knows X's and O's, that doesn't mean he's a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you guys have done this a while. How many times when you call like a current NFL player, do they like pick up the phone and actually give you a quote? Like, oh, that's like yeah. a one in 50 hit rate. But lawyer Malloy was like, mm, can't resist. <laughs> I will troll him. And then when he said that, I was like, lawyer, I think that's all I need. Thank you very much. Have a uh, have a uh, have a good day. Um I really think it's it's funny. Like Bobby Petrino, obviously, um, excellent X's and O's coach, right? One of the greatest scripters, one of the greatest, uh, you know, play call adjustment guys, like the whole thing. I mean, he really just got done in by like arrogance, basically, that his own coaching gifts could obscure the fact that he had a staff of complete incompetence. 
their tight end coach got arrested for DUI and there's no good DUIs, but he had a particularly bad one where he not only like crashed his car, but then was like wandering around in the road and there was video of it. Yeah, he nearly got ran over yes. while he was getting yes. field sobriety checked. Yes, on the highway. So that was not good. Um, he hired Brian Van Gorder, which was just like a really bad personnel move. And it was lazy. Um, when Todd Grantham left Louisville to go to Mississippi State after Mississippi State fired their D.C. because they had like the 119th ranked defense in the country, Bobby's coaching search basically amounted to calling Dan Mullen and being like, hey, I think I might hire your guy if you're taking my guy. And then he hired uh, Peter Sermon, who was a disaster. And that's really what led to this. Peter Sermon was really bad. And then after Peter Sermon was really bad and he had to fire him, he decided to hire Brian Van Gorder which was just a complete disaster. I mean, and everybody saw it coming from a thousand miles away. Brian Van Gorder was a train wreck at Notre Dame. He got fired mid-season at Notre yes. Dame. Yeah, like Nobody they, wants to work with this guy, though. That's yeah. part well, of the no. problem, right? Well, yes, yes. It, it's like if you talk to former Petrino staff members, a majority of them equate it to like getting out of Shawshank. Like they've swam <laughs> through that like puddle of whatever. And they're like in San Monteneo, like they could work for the biggest tyrants and they don't even care. Um, but along with the tight end coach who had the bad DUI, he then has three family members, none of whom had what you would call ACC coaching qualifications on their resume, including his son, Nick, who was the quarterback coach. And then he sticks Van Gorder, the, you know, grossly inadequate defensive coordinator with both of the guys that his daughters married, his two son-in-laws, LD Scott and, uh, was it Nick Beard? Is that the other one, Pat? I think so. Yeah. They're all forgettable. Anyway, he came from Northern Michigan, the one whose name I didn't know. So I don't feel I don't feel bad about that. Ryan Beard, maybe. Uh, anyway, long story short, uh, when you have a dud defensive coordinator, two underqualified relatives as position coaches, the fact that your defense is a is a sieve as if opened up by one of Kentucky's own cheese graters uh, is the least surprising development of this college football season. So take a bow, Bobby. You you completely nepotismed your way out of a pretty good job. And I'd feel bad for him if he didn't get $14 million to leave. He is, he's getting the big, big payout to go away. And, uh, you know, Louisville, Louisville's got some financial issues, but they are, they're biting the bullet on this because it was unavoidable. The team had quit. Team had totally quit. And the recruits were decommitting and like supposedly 20 guys had asked for transfer papers. I mean, the whole thing was just totally unraveling. So it was time to make the change. And yes, it did happen. At 11.16 a.m., the, sh- the coaches show started at 11, and as the host of the coaches show, who had to run the crawl beneath it, came up to me at Vince Tyree's press conference and said, you couldn't wait till noon? <laughs> <laughs> so the coaches show was going on live? When you broke the story? No, it was, it was taped, but it was oh, on okay. the air. But they ran the crawl under the tape show. Yeah. <laughs> Did they have a little like finger emoticon like this guy is not the coach anymore? <laughs> was, like, pointing up. <laughs> yeah. The guy above, the guy yes. you were seeing on the screen above is no longer employed yes. by Louisville. I would love if somebody watched that coach's show and like did like a parody of because what could you possibly say after going to Syracuse and giving up what fifty five points or whatever it was on Friday? <laughs> like what could that host have possibly asked Bobby Petrino to fill? Yeah, that's like that. That like like I can't even fathom 
after seven straight losses to a guy who has like a below zero personality, what you could possibly <laughs> conjure to fill the time. That's when they do the, the feature show. on like the like the walk on that's actually yeah. goes yeah. to chemistry class or like, <laughs> exactly. hey, our field hockey team made the NCAA tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Cardinals in the community. Look, they're helping out at elementary schools. They're reading to the kids. Hey. Vamp, vamp. The only thing that's you need a coach with personality in those situations reminds me of the greatest line in coaches show history. Lou Holtz, when he was at Arkansas, after some game where they played terrible and lost, he said, welcome to the Lou Holtz show. Unfortunately, I'm Lou Holtz. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't think Bobby could quite deliver a zinger like that. No. When you think leaving a note for every NFL player in your locker room <laughs> is a good idea and laminating it. That's not even the best way you got ever lost a job. Yeah, right, this isn't right. even number one. I mean, the, 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 the Harley wrecks number one. I mean, this guy is oh, just yeah. a ball of fight. You will win some games with Bobby Petrino, but man, it does not end pretty. Never, never. Louisville signed up twice. Like they married him <laughs> twice, man. <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's like getting out of Shawshank. They crawled back in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me let me leave it with this. So Bobby Petrino, obviously, not a great human, not a great staff manager, a lot of bad things, serial interviewer. Let us let us end with a round of predictions where he ends up coaching next year as an offensive assistant because he is still, for all his foibles, a fairly good X's and O's coach. Uh, iffy on that one. Well, but. he certainly, at least by reputation, is. And yeah. I don't know. You've seen some of these offenses that, that have been sputtered out. Like, you don't think they could use him at LSU, maybe? Yeah, no, no. Oh, sure, sure. But I, I think I think his best days are behind him. I agree with that. I agree with that. But you don't think some, like, SEC swinger be like, we'll bring in Petrino, and then we'll be able to run the ball. Like, sure. So I sure. think the two likely landing spots for him are the like sec mega powers with sputtering offenses this year which i would say are lsu and auburn which coincidentally enough he probably would know all the people he'd have to interview with because he's already spoken (laughs) he can finally interview freely yes Yes. and he would go for a dollar to those jobs to just stick it up louisville's rear i would think (laughs) yeah he'll he'll be he'll be back he'll be back he'll be a head coach again somewhere whatever i hope it's been good. He's been good to us. He really has. Yeah. People think that the media wants someone who's nice to them. It's not true. We want somebody who's freaking interesting. Meanest column I ever wrote was about Petrino. Was, uh, Ooh, let's recount he, Pat. What's it? That that was when I left uh, when he left the Falcons and got hired at at the Arkansas, and I called him the disingenuous drifter like five <laughs> times in the column. Said he had soulless shark eyes. Somebody just texted me about an hour ago and said, hey, you need to reprise that soulless shark eyes line about Petrino. Shark eyes. He's a football coach. <laughs> you were the scorned uh, hometown columnist then? No, no, no. He had left oh, the, the Falcons. Fal- no, for, but yeah, uh, but you were raising on the, the guy who left. The, the, you, were, you were playing was, a role. Uh, you, were, you were standing up for, for card fanny. <laughs> I was at ESPN then. I couldn't believe they let me write something that mean. <laughs> um, just from the magic of uh, from the magic of Google, I just have happened to come across this Pat Forty column. Oh, just- and let me just say this. When Pat says it's the meanest column he's yes. ever written, that's like George Clooney going, let me tell you about the prettiest girl I ever dated. Yeah. You're like, whoa, what the hell's going on here? December I gotta hear 11th, this one. 2011, Pat Forty. 
In the coming days and weeks, the disingenuous drifter will say what Arkansas fans want to hear. He'll look at them with blank shark eyes and tell them in a monotone voice how excited he is to be the coach of the Razorbacks. He will tell them how impressed he is by the tradition and fan base. He will tell them that the Southeastern Conference is the place he always wanted to coach. And that might be the one true thing he'll say, given how many times he's tried to land a job in the league. It will be a trumped up speech as sincere as a politician's pledge to cut taxes. It will simply be the latest pack of lies in a career full of them. Ooh. But it will be what Arkansas fans want to hear. The poor saps will be desperate to believe him. <laughs> During their arduous search to replace Houston Nutt, they've been used and abused by one-fourth of the coaches in the ACC. First Butch Davis, then Tommy Bowden, then Jim Grobe. Auburn's Tommy Tuberville flirted for a minute as well. What a candidacy group that was. <laughs> <laughs> Fire that search firm. Yeah. Uh, so hiring a guy with a 41-9 and college record will get the blood pumping. But those Arkansas fans ready to embrace their new hotshot coach and his pretty ball plays need to understand one thing. The disingenuous drifter doesn't love you or any other fan base. He doesn't love any school or any NFL franchise. He loves himself, his playbook, and his bank account. Bobby Petrino will return your embrace, Hawk fans. <laughs> but while he's hugging you, he'll be looking over your shoulder, scanning the terrain for his next hookup. Very prescient, Pat. Yeah. Who, who knew? Pat just took like a long sip of cucumber melon seltzer water. I just he finishes like a column like that. He's like, ah, I'll have a little cucumber melon seltzer water yeah. to wash down my disingenuous drifter column. Wow. I mean, that was vicious. All right. Uh, I, uh, maybe you did too, watch some of this Ohio State-Michigan game. And man, was it terrible. <laughs> mm. Number 10 at number 16, and that tells me there aren't nine good teams. There aren't more than nine good teams going <laughs> Actually, I thought it was hauntingly beautiful. <laughs> Terrible weather, mm. gray skies, cold as hell. And the best player in the game was Ohio State punter Drew Chrisman. I mean, this guy was unbelievable. He had five punts down inside the 10. The six-yard line, the five, the three, the two, and the one. Did not get the four. It would have <laughs> the royal straight flush plus one. <laughs> He also, though, had a punt that only went for four yards. He did have that. But Michigan State, of course, couldn't do crap with that opportunity. So, Buckeyes win. Um, Ohio State was so dominating the field position battle because of Chrisman. Mark D'Antonio, in the third quarter, trailing 7-6, to six, took a voluntary safety in an effort to flip the field. Like, this is the most Big Ten play ever. <laughs> yeah. It is so uh, Big Ten. And then the kicker does the kickoff from the on the on the safety, and he kicks it out of bounds at the, uh, the Ohio State 35 or so. So they get the ball in midfield anyway. It doesn't even work. What a delicious train wreck of a contest. <laughs> I was thoroughly entertained. I mean it. I couldn't, I was, I just could not believe what was happening in this football game. Uh, Pete, did you see it at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the chart, you know, all these coaches go to the chart. I think the chart that says to take a safety in that situation is was actually done with finger paint. <laughs> <laughs> Old play. Make bad play. Um, I, I mean, look, there's obviously times to take intentional safeties, but that was just there was just nothing about the timing of that. And I mean, you could really dial in of like punts blocked. So they're worried about getting the punt blocked, right? And then scoring a touchdown. But really, 
I would think, and again, I have no idea what the odds of this are, and I'm sure some smart football person would know, of punts blocked in your own end zone, what percentage of them are touchdowns and what percentage of them are safeties? It's I would think a very high percentage are safeties. My guess would be 65% and higher. And I would guess that only 10% or less of those punts are actually blocked. So I just don't know why there you just kind of wave the white flag. Um, yeah, I, no, it was, remember Mark, uh, used to work for, uh, Jim Tressel. So it was it, oh. somewhere Jim Tressel was having a day watching this punt fest. Like he wrote a handwritten note to Drew Christman saying he would re- like recruit him in <laughs> perpetuity. He'll probably end up on like the Youngstown state, like financial aid staff next year. <laughs> um, because Tressel was so impressed with that. And I thought the best play in the game, I've never seen this before. <clears throat> Terry McLaurin. Um, who's Ohio State's uh, senior receiver, is their gunner. And he streaks down the field, and he like did like an alley-oop save. Like the punt is in the air. It had not bounced. And he jumped like with one foot and, and hit it backwards for one of those on the, the straight flush dance. I was just like, I literally screamed on my couch like, oh, my God. Like I'd never seen that. I mean, you see guys save, but never in the air. I was very, very impressed by that. It was, yes, it was also peak Big Ten. And by like... Early fourth quarter, I was covering a game that night, the the BC Clemson game. I was like, all I want to do is take a nap. You know, it was just like all I want to do after watching this is just is just go to sleep. And then they tried to get me because they put Iowa Northwestern on after. Oh, yeah. Which which could cure anyone on Earth's insomnia. Michigan State. See, I thought D'Antonio at the time was trying to win field position. He was worried about the block, but I thought the field position was bigger. And I actually thought it may the, the way it was going. Like, you got to try something. Michigan State's quarterback was named Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> what a name. Yeah, they I thought he move. played pretty well. Well, they didn't play him enough. He had a moment. Yeah. They played the other too much. I, I agree. Nobody named Rocky Lombardi can be bad. He hails from, like, some <laughs> cornfield in Iowa or something. Yeah, and he has a mullet. Like, let's, of let's course. not, like, oh, overlook yeah. that. Of course he has a mullet. That's, I didn't, he, uh, redundancy. I didn't think I had to mention it. Uh, I don't know. It was a great game. I, uh, I, I, I was watching it and horrified by like every fr- single kick. There were 17 punts altogether. Pete, <laughs> Pete and I on the race for the case podcast did accurately predict the weather. You know, that was our hope and dream is that the weather would just be that, you know, soul crushing, gray, dead, <laughs> cold, uh, East Lansing, baby. East, East Lansing. Yeah. Come up to Beast Lansing. It's going <laughs> to rain on you. <laughs> Absolutely. And they stand around and go, at least it ain't snow. At least it ain't the white stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the game UP, just. This ain't nothing, man. This ain't. This is a 4th of July. The UP. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the game totally, totally lived down to that billing. It was tremendous. And as you say, yeah, the, the two big games, the biggest game in the Big Ten East. Biggest came in the Big Ten West. The halftime scores were seven to three in one of them and three to nothing in the other one. It was peak Big Ten. I pointed that out on Twitter and some guy came back like, yeah, when LSU and Alabama played games like that, everybody said it was because of great defense because that's the SEC. And I was like, yeah, you know what? How many titles has Alabama won? How many has Northwestern won? We're, <laughs> we're really going to go there? Come on, man. That was yeah. boring football, but it was what you came to expect. Northwestern is like the all-time anomaly this year. You had a note in uh, the Dash, I think, last week, Pat, about the statistical sort of th- – there's no statistical like reason Northwestern should be winning the Big Ten West. None. They're just a complete anomaly. It's uh, And they're not very good. 
They Point lost to Akron. Yeah. They got blown out by Duke. Like, and yet they're co- coasting in yeah. to Indy. Big Ten West champions. In this week's edition of Pete did not read the pre-show text. <laughs> I, but nor I'm going to discuss Northwestern. <laughs> oh. Uh, Forgive me for working on Sundays. Sorry. <laughs> the podcast pre-production, which consists of four or five text messages. <laughs> it's usually, yeah, we're going to do this time. No, we're going to do that time. Now we're going to do this. Time. All right. Now we're ready. That's all right. That's all right. We will get to it. Um, all right. More Ohio State news. Sorry, Scorsese. I'll look I at try the to direct this, this train wreck every week, and it just gets worse. Uh, speaking of train wrecks defrocked Ohio State wide receiver coach Zach Smith went off the rails oh. again Sunday. <laughs> At least the police were not involved. Smith, uh, he went in a Twitter rage, as he is prone to do. Started bashing Texas coach Tom Herman. Herman was the offensive coordinator of Ohio State when Smith was there. Smith and Herman famously went to a Miami's Gentleman's Club with two high school, some high school coaches wanted an expense part of it, which uh, Ohio State was gleeful to confirm. Uh, Jerry Tarkanian somewhere just laughs at that recruiting tactic. Uh, Smith believes Herman told Brett McMurphy about his issue of domestic violence against his wife, which started this whole problem in Smith's mind when what started the problem was the domestic violence allegations. But, hey, uh, now Smith is uh, basically bagging on Herman and questioning his marriage. And uh, he even claims he has photo proof in one tweet gross i don't know what that's about and uh they're basically ratting each other out so college athletics baby this paints quite a picture now at one point a twitter user accused smith of hitting the bottle during his (laughs) his thing smith responded uh quote oh i hit the bottle less than at coach tom herman did nightly when he took g2's gatorade 2 from osu to mix with vodka Okay, (laughs) now I don't care about these other allegations, but this is what I'm interested in. Okay, excuse the man of theft, kind of, but I'm going to focus on this vodka and Gatorade, too, and G2. That is a quality damn drink. Okay. (laughs) All right. I have had many of these. Uh, Have you? I bought I bought my G2. I did not steal it from Ohio State or any other institute of higher learning. I don't think you'd really call it stealing. Nah. (laughs) You know, they're sponsored by Gatorade. Apparently, he seals it stealing. I have some golfing buddies in Boston who have dubbed this the athlete. This drink is called the athlete. (laughs) So as far as I'm concerned, if Coach Herman was stealing G2s from Ohio State for the purpose of having a nice, low-calorie, electrolyte-rich nightcap or two, I see the sign of a man who is both capable of conceptualizing a game plan and then carrying it out. <laughs> Good on you, Coach Herman. Hook him. <laughs> Clearly, you know, this is a guy who had now, he's got Texas on the comeback, although Zach Smith certainly doesn't see it that way. That was the tweet that started today's psychotic rampage. Where is it? How do Coach Tom Herman and his wife the, tag them both by feeling about their horrendously underperforming season? Better question. How does she feel about her husband? Just And then he just starts yeah, ripping. Yeah, then it gets ugly. I mean, they won. Just, they won the game. I know. What, what the I heck? Mean, like, seriously. So we're, you're sitting around. I mean, I, I don't want to put myself in Zach Smith's head. But, <laughs> but why on a Sunday afternoon do you all of a sudden, this is time after, you know, 
calming down for a couple of months to just lose your mind on Tom Herman. What in the hell is that about? <laughs> he must be drinking. He might, he's he's got to be outraged about this vodka drink. I mean, <laughs> if that's wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> Seriously, this is this is a Wetzel go-to drink here. The athlete. Well, it's not bad. The athlete. Yeah. Get you through the Put morning. a little Fiji finish in there. You no, little Fiji to top no. it up. Listen, uh, you're, you're golfing early. You know, things are a little, things are a little rough. Maybe, you know, <laughs> things got off the rails the night before. <laughs> you, you, the you athlete re- will re-hydrate. carry you through. You don't get up. Uh, the Bloody Mary's like, you know, no, get, get the athlete. Are you going get s- you there. smearing off vodka on us here on this stuff? You get any kind of vodka you want. I don't know. All vodka. I can't taste the difference between the vodka. Tito's and Fiji. That's so, Wetzel's drink. Tito's and Fiji. No, that, Tito's is sad. That's trendy. It's trendy. Smirnoff is, is the, the bush light of uh, vodka. So yeah. you, you go that was very popular at Cathedral High School, uh, the Smirnoff vodka. Pop-off will do it. That's, that's yeah, we did pop-off like back. A lot of pop-off. Oh, man. Dad did some hard years of drinking in the 413. I definitely had my he share had, of pop-off. I, I like Valentine vodka, locally produced here, Ferndale, Michigan. We had a uh, one-stop liquor store would produce their own vodka. Oh, then, no. So, like, yeah, one-stop vodka, eight ninety nine a handle. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of those nights ended well. The G2 will take care of all of that. <laughs> yeah. You will feel better. All right, okay. How about this? Tomorrow morning, just mix yourself one. Just <laughs> <laughs> It's Monday before everybody goes to work, you know, unless you're off for Veterans Day. You know, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm sure you'll be going out to brunch with the Petrinos tomorrow, Pat. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. can maybe recommend it to them. <laughs> For sure. I'll recommend the disingenuous drifter daiquiri, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Triple D. Yeah. All right. Uh, each week we pick a Heisman Trophy winner if the Heisman Trophy was awarded for one week because the Heisman Trophy is boring these days and we already know he's going to win it. Uh, so small sample Heisman. We'll start with you, Pete. Well, I'm prepared this week, Dan. Awesome. I read, I read yeah. God, parts of the text messages that uh, that you <laughs> sent. Um, all this p- preparing and planning for the show. You know, I'm, I'm adopting your attitude, Dan. Uh, I took Raquel Armstead, Temple running back, six touchdown game in an upset of Houston. Uh, Raquel ran wild, man. He was uh, he was big time for the uh, for the Owls who are having a uh, who are having a sneaky good season after starting off with some uh, losses to Villanova and Buffalo. So you keep running, Raquel. Pat, who won the Heisman? Uh, I'm going with Darren Hall of Pittsburgh, and I'm giving it to him for his a two week Heisman. Uh, this is a guy; he's a senior, first year, eh, did nothing. Second year, did nothing. Last year, got to play a little. Now, he hits the high point. He has a 254-yard game against Duke, then goes back to doing nothing. This year, eh, doesn't really do much of anything until last week against Virginia, and Pittsburgh's starting to get in the race in the Coastal. He goes for 229 and three TDs. Like, wow, I, I, I've never heard of Darren Hall. That's pretty amazing. So this week, all of a sudden, against Virginia Tech, where they almost put a hammerlock on the Coastal Division, Seven carries, 186 yards, 27 yards a carry. So Darren Hall, two games. Guy who really is a uh, a bit player, mostly throughout his career, gone for 415 yards and four TDs. Darren Hall, small sample Heisman. All right. I am giving the Heisman to UAB linebacker Trey Crawford. Three sacks in a 26-23 victory over Southern Miss. Dominated the line of scrimmage. Crawford had zero offers coming out of high school. 
He had one coming out of junior college. UAB, this forlorn program that the school shut down. It's the only one who wanted him. And he is indicative of this entire roster that is now 9-1, 7-0 in Conference USA, and the Conference USA West champions. They killed the program, and it got stronger. This is incredible. Blazers are even ranked number 25 this week. Congrats to them, and congrats to Trey Crawford. All right, we have said many, many mean things on this podcast so far. Say something nice, Pat Forty. Do I have to? We can try. Okay, I'll get to it. There's <laughs> there's some nice sprinkled in here somewhere, okay? If you look hard enough, you can find the nice in this. Okay. Uh, Nick Brissett of LSU is smarter than the coaching staff at LSU. So I'm saluting Nick Brissett. The ending... <laughs> Of This is the Scott Van Pelt bad beats of all time. Ending of Arkansas LSU. Tigers are winning 24-17. to There's like a minute left. They hand the ball to Brissett. He breaks a run. He's getting down to like the 10-yard line, and he does a smart thing. It's a one-touchdown game. There's 90 seconds left. Arkansas is out of timeouts. He slides. Takes a knee. It's over, right? So all they have to do then is take two knees. Game's over. They win. Now, the spread's 13 and a half, so him electing not to score is a pretty big deal. Interestingly enough, on the next play, what does Coach O do? He doesn't say get in the victory formation. Take an E, says line up, let's go to score. Gives it to Brissett again. Brissett slides again at the one-yard line. So now you're wondering whether Brissett took the Hogs and O took the Tigers on the number. They run one more play, hand it to Brissett again. He gets stopped at the one. It didn't slide, but I'm not sure he made 100% effort. And that's how it ended. And basically, Orgeron took a chance on losing, and uh, Brissett wouldn't let him. He's like, no, I'm, I'm going down. So I, I, I am saying something nice about Nick Brissett for being smarter than Ed Orgeron. Maybe they kept the same clock management guy that Les had. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so. Or it, it, This stuff shouldn't be that hard, you know? No, it's not. Snap the ball, victory formation, take a knee, it's over, goodbye. Pete, say something nice. I will say something nice about uh, our friends at Boston College. I went to their uh, game, it was college game day, Saturday night primetime, game of the week, over in Chestnut Hill, and the place, Dan, you'll find this hard to believe being from the Northeast, kind of popped. Now, once the game started, BC's quarterback got hurt six plays in and was out for the game, and the Eagles didn't show a whole lot of offense against Clemson, which is not easy to do. They lost 27 to seven, but I liked the plucky spirit of the BC fans on a cold blustery night. It felt like a big time college football environment. Fans rallied. It was a good scene. They, were t they, they opened the tailgating four hours early before the game, which they usually only open at two hours before the game, which right there says a lot about the culture of college football in the Northeast. So Props to the hearty souls. I can't tell you how many empty nips there were in the elevator when I when I went back to my car at 2 a.m. A lot of Dr. McGillicuddy. So, <laughs> yeah. she is. Doc McGillicuddy's good stuff. That'll get yeah. you through a couple of holes of golf, too. <laughs> um, all right. I am saying something nice. Foreshadowed. Northwestern. <laughs> they managed to reach the Big Ten West title game despite losing all of their non-conference games. They lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Duke. 
They lost to Akron. They trailed Rutgers in the fourth quarter and only won by three, 18 to 15. <laughs> How did that game escape our – I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, really. We should have been deriding that one. We need it's to, probably on the Big Ten Network. Can't wait for the oral history of the Rutgers-Northwestern <laughs> uh, game. They beat Purdue by four. They beat Iowa by four. They beat Nebraska by three. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. Nothing comes pretty in the old Big Ten West. Literally nothing. It is the tractor pull division of college football. <laughs> so leave it to the preppy private school kids up there in Chicago <laughs> to out-ugly everyone and get there. Uh, this is ridiculous and is the latest proof. I mean, good for them winning their division. Divisions are stupid, and bit and conference ter- championship games are the biggest waste of time going in college football. There you go. Wait till you see this. This week's we're gonna go. I'm going off in a couple weeks on these things. They have nothing. They're terrible. They can, they can win the championship. How? This is good. See, this is the say something nice that ends up in a vicious tirade. <laughs> That's what we this like. This is participation trophy football. You can still win the title when you stink. <laughs> they are the disingenuous drifters of conference uh, yeah. division champions. Really? It's just geography. They got put into the title game due to geography. Yeah. I'm unimpressed. That's our podcast. <laughs> Pat, you got anyone else to rip? Oh, plenty of people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. SEC refs. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. We got to get to the SEC. All right. We will be oh, back yeah. on Wednesday. Send us your mean Pat columns so we can maybe have recountings of some more next week. The cold wind is blowing and we are ornery here. <laughs> Yahoo Sports College. Somebody play a good game for us. All right. Subscribe, leave a review. Uh, stars, five stars or else you're a jerk, and uh, that's it. Talk to you guys later.